Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. I'm, well... It's obvious. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in the 80s in Sydney. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. This season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family... From the Morehouse murders to haunted highways. This season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Every week on The Shadow Files, we look at a crime which is sort of iconic and we dig into it. And we wanted to do an Australian crime this week. So Dad was talking with a listener and they gave him a bit of a tip-off as to a fairly infamous story, one that I wasn't actually familiar with, Dad. Now, in the past couple of months, I've made some, I would say, disparaging comments about the per capita density of bizarre killers and criminals over in uh, Adelaide. Turns out that Perth has its fair share, don't they? They do, and I was just uh, thinking that very same thought today, Paul. Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself... Uh, yeah, Adelaide's pretty fucked up, um, as as was evident of the live shows we did there where people were just, you know, I, I mentioned the family and they erupted. They erupted in a way that implied to me that some of them knew. And also, I think it. it's almost, they're almost proud of it. It is, but, a, yes, a weird kind of... But, uh, but, but the yeah. stats are worrying in terms of bringing in Perth. <laughs> Disturbing, might I say. Yeah. So yeah. we have a... We've got a lot of fans, but I would like to mention a hardcore Mm -hmm. top shelf fan by the name of Tom Hayes. Now, Tom, hello, Tom. He is a flying chef. Now, I don't know what it's like to actually fly a helicopter. Well, I I do because I was in the air wing, but... I don't know what it would be like to fly and cook at the same time, and I think it would be quite dangerous inside the cabin. And I've seen his helicopter. I haven't seen it in the flesh, but I've seen lots of videos of it. Oh, a helicopter. Right. Yeah, he flies a helicopter. But I thought a flying chef was, for example, like a chef who 
you know, you have private jets and you have a bit mm. of a sh- like. Does, hmm. Oh, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say someone that cooks on board. That's what I thought. Yes. No, no, yes. Tom. Yep. He, being a chef and a mm. helicopter pilot, which is a magnificent yep. combination. Yep. He flies. Mm-hmm. Probably, I guess he'd have all these ingredients stored, you know, in the back seat. And he, he flies to functions. And imagine having a wonderful, like, well, for example, Paul, I believe it's your fourth anniversary today. It is, yes, my fourth wedding. So can you imagine if you set something up up in the, the, the Nandy Dongs, which are mountains sort of near Melbourne, and you met, like you're with Tegan, you're on a hill just standing there in the wind, and Tegan's thinking, what's going on? And all of a sudden, Tom flies in in his little helicopter. And he lands close by, and he gets all his gear out, and he, he cooks up a, a feast. That's a flying chef. Yeah, this hypothetical's fun, but I don't I don't get that. Get what? I don't I don't get a flying chef today. So no, being, you're not having one. Being... Because for Tom to come here, yeah, it would be uh, pricey. Yeah, but that's what he does in England, and, and he, he probably does some continental work too. But he gave you something for oh, free. He, he gave you a tip. He gave me a tip. Yeah, and the tip that he gave me. Mm-hmm. It's so weird when someone from offshore, yeah. in this case on the other side of the world, says, hey, John, have you considered doing this creepy guy? And he gave me the particulars. I, I had never heard of Edgar, sorry, uh, Eric Edgar Cook. Had, had you yeah. ever heard of him? No, I hadn't heard of him. And what's... I have a often... Sometimes I can be a little bit unsympathetic towards the the ingredients that go towards turning a seemingly regular person into a killer. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make excuses for Eric Edgar Cook, who became known as the Nightcaller, who was a serial killer in the 60s mm. in uh, Perth, in Western Australia. Mm. But what I will say is that his upbringing was... I agree. Paul... Horrific. Mate, we're on the same page. Good. Paul has wonderfully, I feel... Um, sort of come to the same conclusion. Now it's a it's a horrendous story, listeners. Uh, we don't necessarily like going into all the gruesome details because I am mm. sure that all our listeners have got very vivid imaginations. But his upbringing was terrible. But not only was it terrible. Uh, but he also had a hair, lip and cleft palate, which for those people that I don't think there'd be too many people that don't know what that is, but... He had a hair lip, yeah. A hair lip. And, mm. you know, there's a very, very famous uh, Hollywood actor. Joaquin Phoenix. Correct. Yes. Um, and I, I think he looks dashing. If you go back to some of his earlier roles, uh, he hasn't quite had the amount of um, surgery to kind of cover it up. It's really yeah. It's an it's an interesting thing. He he basically was being um, he. It did lead to a lot of bullying, but I I think the bullying actually happened later. I think the real problem with his upbringing was his father. Actually, mm, yes, he was and he was a really brutal, brutal, terrible. Dad. And yep. Eric was the firstborn mm-hmm. of three. Yes, he was born in uh, February nineteen thirty one. For the mm, context, which is pre, it's sort of in between the wars. Mm. And his father, and I'm quite sure, listeners, there'll be people out there that this is going to touch a nerve. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm pretty sure that there are plenty, not, I'll rephrase that, I'm not going to use the word plenty, I'm sure there are fathers out there mm-hmm. who, for whatever reason, and possibly of complex reasons, they fail to show love and affection towards their firstborn. And sometimes the love and affection can then, over a period of time, be very loving and kind. And and what's the word I'm looking for? You think some people can kind of start hard and then soften over the years. Yes, and uh, and some parents have favorites, which is, um, if I was to sort of talk about the cardinal sin of parenting, if you have more than one child, Mm -hmm. is to have a favorite. And... People have tried over the years to elicit from me... Who your favourite is. Who my favourite. And I can hand on heart say... That it's me. That I know, I appreciated that. I really that, do. That of the three children that I know I have, mm-hmm. um, the love is is equal. You know, it's, it's, it's impossible to even contemplate, even if I sort of bury into the deepest recesses of my heart and mind, I don't have a favourite. I love all of you equally, which I think is really important. And children pick up on things and parents can really fuck things up. And, of course, people turn into adults and they carry these sort of these things, these internal, you know... Of course, things can be misconstrued as well. And I think... From that perspective, it's good for the children to talk to the parents and say, hey, this is what I think. And the parents hopefully can then say, well, that's actually not the case. But this- I don't think that was that was that really wasn't on the table for Eric Edgar Cook. So no. And, and look, he, he, he a lot of his early um, sort of the, the father beating the, the crap out of him. A mm. lot of it had to do with Eric protecting his mother. Yes. And the father just saw this 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 kid. And the father probably, because um, Eric had two operations on his um, his hair lip, yeah, on his hair lip, and mm. and the, the 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 operations were not not that successful. So what mm. happened was he ended up with a with a, a speech sort of he he mumbled basically, mm. and he became very introverted, shy. Now here's a fun fact, listeners, and I feel as though this is probably worthy of the Guinness Book of Records, and I'm not kind of making light of what I'm about to say, but it's very very unusual. And that is that when he was six years old, which is kindergarten or first class, mm-hmm. Paul, he was expelled from school. Yes. For yes. stealing money from, from the teacher, right? teacher's purse. Yeah. But I have a feeling that perhaps Eric was stealing the money to give to his mum. Yeah. Because the family was, they were, they were destitute. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just. It's pretty pretty upsetting, and then of course, he was bullied terribly. He 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 was moved from school to school, and wherever mm-hmm. he went, he was bullied. He was bashed, and what we are creating here, in fact, you know, we're going to come at the end of this story. We're going to sort of tell everyone what happened to him. But I'm of the opinion that if this story, if his, if we moved all of these events. Closer to now, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that the the trial may have, you know, perhaps come up not necessarily with a different result in terms of guilt or innocence, but perhaps his state of mind. 
Um, and I think, Paul, in, in the five years we've been doing these podcasts, I think it's fair to say that you and I have never, ever sort of had this preamble in preparation. Um, and we, we're not making excuses at all no. for the, the, the most terrible things he did. And he was, so, he was such a bizarre character. And the police, even today, would have found it really difficult to tie one person in with so many crimes... Yeah, let's. I mean, look, he's called. He was called the Night Caller. That kind of became his moniker. As with every other serial killer, every other spree murderer, whatever, they at some point are given a name, and the name is usually a catchy one. But the reason the Night Caller is interesting because to avoid getting beaten by his dad when he was a kid, he kind of duck out of the house at night, um, and sort of just roam the streets, just trying to avoid being at home. And if it's an abusive home life, I understand that. And then when he got back home. In order to not get beaten by his dad again, he'd hide under the house. So he, he sort of spent many of his formative years kind of lurking to avoid danger. But I think, the, the for me, the moment that actually twigged was when he was a teenager, right? Mm. He auditioned for yes, the yeah. local church choir, right? Mm. Yeah, he was 17 at the time. And how'd that go <clears> for him, Dad? Well, he, um, he, he must have been very angry, listeners, <clears throat> because... When he, f- he failed, I mean, it's kind of sweet in a way that he even applied to join a choir mm. at that age. Yeah. Um, let's don't forget, listeners, that he was a highly intelligent person. He had a really uh, oh, he, almost a almost a photographic memory. Correct. He, could, uh, yeah, almost, he was almost a savant. We'll come to that later. It's yeah. really interesting. Um, so he, he applies. He he does an audition for a choir, and it, they knocked him back. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a bit mean, uh, although it's, you know what? I'm just, it's just hit me then that he had the, um, he had a speech impediment. He mumbled, uh, he was shy, and maybe the choir master just thought, look, he's not up to scratch. But from a sort of a religious perspective, I think it's slightly uncharitable, mm-hmm. and uh, the church where he sort of was trying to join the choir. He, after he sort of was knocked back, he burnt the church down, which is kind of, one might say, slightly uh, a slight overreaction. Yeah. But he was pissed off. Yeah. And I would say, based on just burning the church down because he was not successful in getting into a choir, mm-hmm. I'd say that's, in terms of extreme, that's, that's <laughs> at one sort of very extreme end of the spectrum. Did anyone get hurt? I there's there's no mention of anyone being hurt, okay. but I have a feeling, Paul, because let's face it, his mo was primarily involved, as you mentioned before, nighttime. Yeah, that it would have been done under the cover of darkness, and we've discussed okay. a, a thousand times in the past that the cover of darkness is a criminal's best friend, and he would have known those streets. He grew up in those suburbs. Was he was he an arsonist after this point or no? What kind of so what kind of crimes did he commit? Let's let's cover the kind of crimes he committed before he escalated to actual violence. What kind of stuff did he do? Well, he was doing he was doing break and enters. Uh-huh. But the thing with his break and enters is that he'd go into the house and he'd rifle through the belongings, but then mm-hmm. for some weird reason, he'd co- he'd go crazy and just smash things, ruin like rip paintings off walls, smash mirrors. Mm -hmm. Just, he went literally crazy. So, 
there are some interesting issues, but things began to escalate. And um, look, just quickly, I think... One of the problems, Paul, with this guy, not problem, but in his early criminal days of petty, petty crime mainly, he, he, he wasn't a, a good criminal. He left his fingerprints mm-hmm. at so many crimes, crime scenes, mm-hmm. and he was continually getting caught. Um, but he also but, did keep... He, he was a big fan of... Um, he kept newspaper clippings and he, he basically was trying to... I'm trying to figure out the psychology of somebody who, who is trying to share their accomplishments and trying to get attention, but also stay anonymous at the same time, right? Well, it was weird he, because he used to share his, his exploits with some of his friends. Yeah, yeah. To sort of curry favour and... I mean, who knows? Maybe some of his friends, uh, maybe, mm. you know, dobbed him in. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of... Look, he was clearly someone that wanted something but but he, he gets married yeah he was 21 right when he when he got married first and uh, he has uh, seven children well before that so he 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 no this, so right so he got married when he was 22 mm. a year before that when he was 21 years old he again tried to sort of go on the straight and narrow so he joined yes. up at uh, a military academy yeah. and he got kicked out after three months well he did get kicked out Paul but he was also within that first three months he was promoted okay so he was he's he, he was a he's a smart guy but they so why, found wh- out oh yeah I was going to say why was he kicked out well they, they, they his criminal record came through they must, clearly there was a delay mm-hmm. and they they found out that um, you know he had priors for break in and steal a lot of offences stealing that you don't want in the military you know you don't want people stealing off you know the fellow soldiers of course and after three months uh, he was he was dismissed so I think he was starting to get a fairly twisted and sort of hateful mm-hmm. I think he actually my, I've been thinking about this and I feel that. He actually hated everyone, and he he didn't sort of discriminate, and that's when things go awry. But let's just point, yeah. So, the, so the military academy was a year before the marriage. But yes, let's just let's just pause the story briefly. Like you said, twenty two years old, he marries a waitress called uh, Sarah Lavin, and they have seven children. Mm. And I'm assuming. You keep seeing through his life, you see, between the marriage, the military academy, the choir, he seems to be sort of trying in some part of it, in some way to become normal. But mm. he sort of, he strays quite badly, doesn't he? I, he's not referred to as what I'm about to say, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling, a strong feeling that he actually yeah. was a thrill killer. Okay. I really firmly believe that because I'm right. thinking about the sort of crimes. So back in Perth, mm-hmm. back in that time, people left their car keys in the ignition. Yeah. Now he was a he was a night night person. Mm-hmm. He. I'm just wondering whether his wife actually even knew that he left the bed. I'm very curious as to whether she knew he was leaving to do things yes. without her. Yeah. So he. Probably walked out into those, those, those nights, those those cool nights, those balmy nights, those those hot nights in Perth, 
under the cover of darkness. Yeah. And and this is really interesting. He would he just pick random cars. I mean, it would it would have been a very simple matter of taking cars because, as I said, the cars were in driveways. He knew the area. He knew the area at night time, uh, so he could very very sort of he could roam freely. He had a very mm. good understanding of what his environment was like at night time. These are the and, same same streets he spent his time kind of wandering and hiding as a kid anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, and street yeah. lighting back in the 1940s and 50s and early 60s was mm. not like it is today. No, no. It, You know, it was dark. You might get sort of the odd sort of old, you know, light pole with a sort of a flickering light with some insects sort of buzzing around it. I'm just cre- trying to create a bit of an atmosphere here. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so he would take these cars. Now, one of the things, because he's a really, really clever guy. Mm. So he takes cars, he goes out and he commits certain crimes, but then he returns the car. And quite often, the family would wake up in the morning, they'd go out to their car, they had no idea that the car had been involved in certain crimes now well, they kept finding of, his in his earlier crimes the ones that he was taken to court for and all the things he was doing throughout his youth they kept finding his fingerprints at the scene and i keep finding instances to him being referred to as extremely clumsy i mean he kept injuring himself through his childhood he yeah. worked at various kind of shit kicking trade like mm. jobs and he kept to have i mean he burned his face he crushed his hands he kept mm. getting into so i think when you say he was really clever, it's possible that just by trial and error and by repeated traumas, he kind of picked up on the fact that leaving fingerprints around was not smart, right? Mm. I think this is probably something he stumbled onto. So I'm, cu- I'm curious as to whether he was clever or whether he'd done so many things that had gone wrong that he eventually reached okay. very basic yeah. Like doing an apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. You start off you know, sweeping the floor yeah, yeah. and end up sort of yeah, a fully qualified you know, tradesperson. Um, but but one of one of his one of the things that he used to enjoy doing, um, and I'm, I might sound as though I'm fairly jovial with, you know, what I'm about to say. Sure. But he'd he'd basically he'd steal a car. But interestingly enough, it's not actually stealing if you have the intention of returning the stolen item to the owner. Did you know okay. that? So it's. There's an offence called illegal use of motor vehicle and they had to bring it in, at least in New South Wales when I was in the police force, because they, you couldn't charge people with steel motor vehicle because it's such a serious offence, the paperwork, the drama. So they came up with this offence called illegally used because like joyriders, sometimes you know, you'd, you'd see a car unattended, you wanted to get home, you didn't have any money for a cab, you'd steal a car. You'd yep. drive it to your house and you'd just leave it. And So what he would do... He'd, he'd take the car. This is when it gets really creepy. He would simply go out cruising at night time looking for pedestrians. And when he saw a pedestrian, he'd run them over and kill them. Yeah. He, he, that's what he was doing. Well, How that's time- one of the things that he was doing. How many times did he do this? He, well, or, is it, we, or is it hard to tell, I'm guessing? Difficult. Yeah. That we know of... Look... I would, I would imagine, because mm-hmm. there were lots of attempted, um, well, murders. If the attention was to kill, yeah, but there were plenty of, of people that didn't die. Uh, 
So that's one thing that he used to do. So the police would sort of get involved. They'd come across the uh, the, the terrible, you know, I mean, car accidents are just terrible. When you use a car as a weapon and you, he would no doubt accelerate. Um, I don't know whether he had his lights on or he'd turn the lights off at the last minute. I don't know whether he was that clever. Uh, getting hit by a car, there was a very famous case where he actually hit the body of a particular person, which ended up being a very, very famous case in Australian history in terms of the wrong person was charged. But that's a whole other story. That's a very famous story. Um, but he'd also, because he was into firearms, because he learned, uh, he picked up some very good training in the military how to handle a, a firearm. And his weapon of choice was a 22 caliber rifle, which is a very small bullet. Uh, but it, it's, you know, rabbit hunters use them. And if you get shot with a 22 in the head, uh, on the balance of probabilities, if it's a good shot, you will die. And another thing that he used to do, he used to just pick random houses. Uh, he'd knock on the door. Occasionally someone would open the door and he'd shoot them in the head. Okay. He would break into houses whilst people were asleep. Sometimes the people that were sleeping, they'd wake up and he would be sort of leaning over them and he would strangle them in bed. Sometimes he would stab them with a knife and or scissors. Occasionally he would use a tomahawk where he would just smash your head in and... and basically chop you up but then things really if this is not bad enough then he started to do some quite terrible things that's not to say that everything he has done up until now is not terrible but then things go really bad hang on so what look for the people who are listening i'm i'm very it's hard to tie down what kind of a criminal he is right yeah typically speaking a serial killer, a spree killer, a serial whatever mm-hmm. has a thing that they do over and over. Correct. They've got an MO. It seems like with Cook, he just sort of did horrible stuff across exactly. multiple genres. So yeah. motor vehicle stuff, break and enters, uh, drive-bys. Shootings. The, the common thread is that they're all violent, right? Very violent. Yeah. But then, then things go bad. Okay. What he then does with a particular woman mm-hmm. um, is that he murders her. And then he he has intercourse with her, which is necrophilia. So he's having sex with a dead person. That's terrible. You're telling me that at this point his wife has no idea. He used to go on. home to his wife. I don't think you'd, after, and excuse my my English, after fucking a dead person, I don't think you'd go home and tell your wife. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying he's sneaking out, committing crimes. There is a, there is a very, very, at this point, the whole area must be on high alert. There's just... Perth was, they were literally, people in Perth and neighbouring Fremantle. Yeah. It was a very, very serious thing. And it went on for four years, Paul. Mm-hmm. And it really began to change the psyche of the people in that 
in those those cities. Um, yeah, I can imagine. I can but Paul, imagine. Paul, listen. Mm. What happens is with this particular woman, and we're not, I don't like sort of as time goes by, we've sort of we've sort of we know our fans love, you know, this sort of stuff. But you know, as I said, people have been with this long sort of the loose units journey. You know, sometimes it's what we don't say is sort of you know can create in your own minds you get you get the gist of what we're trying to say but i i want to say that in this particular case on this particular night when he when he um you know had sex with an in intercourse with it with a with a dead body that's terrible but then what he did and this is when it gets absolutely bizarre paul then what he does he drags the woman out of this out of her house he drags her next door to a neighbor's place. This is happening at night time when most of the people are asleep. He's working under the cover of darkness. He drags this woman dead that he's had sex with. He then places her in the backyard of the neighbor's house. He then gets a whiskey bottle mm -hmm. and he inserts the whiskey bottle into okay. now they, they don't say what orifice it is but it's either the, think, no no yeah. it's, it's important to know this because what he does he inserts he basically anally or vaginally again assaults the person with an empty bottle but then he gets the bottle and he positions the body in almost a ritualistic stance and gets he places the bottle that he's used on her he then sets it up so that she's holding the bottle. How's that? Can you imagine being the police, or, or even, not worse, but well, maybe worse, the fucking neighbour who comes out maybe to hang their washing out and sees this defiled, naked woman in a pose orchestrated by the offender. And it's important to talk about this because when I talk about it, I think about things like, maybe he's saying to people that look at her is that she actually used the bottle on herself. It's fucking bizarre. And at this point, the police are freaking out. According to reports during the investigation, uh, they fingerprinted more than 30,000 men aged... Um, over 12. Over 12. So they really were casting a very wide net. And at this point, like you said, the twenty two rifle is the, is the gun that he used in quite a few of these crimes. Um, they found and tested more than 60,000 of those rifles. 22 caliber rifles. And then they found one in August 1963. They found one and they found that it was the gun that was used to kill one of his victims. Correct. Right. Um, and what they did was possibly... <laughs> this, this is crazy. I, it, yeah. it was. It's possibly... Yeah. Uh, in fact, Tom, the pilot, uh -huh. Tom, the chef, when he yeah. wrote to us, he said... Uh -huh. He made mention of what we're about to say. Would yes. you like to sort of talk us through what they did? Yeah. So, basically, they did ballistic tests. They knew that it was the one that was used for one of the murders. Actually, one of his victims, Shirley McLeod. At one point, we will, we're will we going to have to sit there and itemize all of the people he killed. Mm. Uh, because one of his victims actually died years later from complications. So, the body count's a bit, bit iffy. Mm. But, they head back to the location. Right? Um, they put a rifle that looks like the rifle that he left and hid mm. in the bush, right? Mm. They put it in the bush and then they tie it to a fishing line, mm. right? And then they wait for days. 
Paul and and they, weeks. Yes, seventeen days they waited. Yes, but, and so they built. So basically, what's yeah? So we'll just just to kind of wrap it up. So what's happened is they've taken, they found the gun that he hid in a bush. They've replaced it with a lookalike, which isn't functional, so he can't like grab it and shoot them. They attach a fishing line. They run it down the road, and they basically hide and keep this gun there. And like you said, seventeen days later, he walks over to the bush, he grabs the gun, and they catch him. They literally catch him by fishing. And that would have of- been the most. Fucked up job for police to do. I know. I mean, they had to build. They actually built what they describe as a hide. It's like a, a shelter. Mm-hmm. It would have had a minimum of two men, Yep. I imagine, inside. Yeah. And imagine on the 16th night, you're just going, is this for real? What? Who drew, who drew the short straw? I mean, those. I felt sorry for the police. And I don't know what time of the year it was. I hope it wasn't winter, because it'd be fucking freezing. Yeah. And they're waiting. It's a, it, it is fishing, because you know we all know Paul that to go fishing, you you throw the line out and you're waiting for the for the line to, you know, it sort of makes a tapping, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they would have been, I I just can't think of a worse job. And then all of a sudden on the seventeenth night. Yep. The the um the line starts tapping and hey presto they've caught. I mean it's yep. just a, it's Paul, I did not know this story. And I've never heard of this sort of thing happening before, but it's a cracker. And they get him and sometimes you catch a big fish, right? I think the size of this fish for people trying to find convictions and confessions, I mean it was crazy. They they really didn't have to push him very hard. He uh, confessed to eight murders, 14 attempted murders, and then during his uh, sort of unspooling, unraveling, some of which is still available on tape, in fact, relatively recently, they found archived audio of his, of some of his confessions. And he talked about how he just sort of wanted to hurt people. He just, he was really feeling godlike and he was enjoying committing atrocious crimes. But he admitted to more than 250 break-ins, burglaries, all kinds of other crimes. Uh, and the confessions of the murders... I've got the names here. Gillian Brewer, Rosemary Anderson. Um, oh, by the way, there were several other people who were convicted of some of the murders that he committed, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they really... Sometimes when you scratch the surface, you expect somebody to sort of begin to confess. But this guy, he literally confessed to every single thing he did. But Paul, Paul, and yeah. listeners, here's something that that I'm going to just say at the end of this. I rest my case in terms of... I did say that he was unusually bright perhaps he was a savant but of the 250 break in and steals mm-hmm. that he carried out and that's a lot okay the police record of interview says and and states emphatically that he could remember in great detail yeah. every single break in and steal but get ready for this he described accurately, because they would have had incredible records when they interviewed every single victim, he could recount every coin that he'd stolen from every house. He could say to them, I stole seven shillings and three sixpences, mm-hmm. two one-pound notes, and he would give them this this incredibly accurate and detailed, very concise 
account, like a ledger, of every single break in on steel. So no grey areas at all. None. He right. okay. and he 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 relished the record of interview. Yeah. He absolutely because finally in his life he felt as though because. I mean, he was he was he felt he was impressing yeah. the police, yeah. and 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 saying to the police, "Look, you know, you've caught me, yes, but but wasn't I just wasn't I incredible over four years?" Do you like, think there was the, a degree of sort of maybe it was nice to finally be recognised for something? I don't okay. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And look, he he his defence counsel they brought up his terrible childhood and as you purported he some may even say that he was accident prone right. um, because he did he received a lot of quite bad uh, head injuries aside from the fact that his father used to beat the shit out of him um, but there was also some evidence to say that he suffered from schizophrenia but one of the top medical experts within the mental health field gave evidence to say that he was not and he was fit to to stand trial. Mm-hmm. And and this is sort of slightly poignant, and that is that his defence counsel did have avenues for appeal because he was going to be hung and he was actually the last person ever to be hung in Perth, right. but he said to his defence counsel, I don't want you to appeal. I feel as though I deserve to be hung for all the terrible things I've done. So that's interesting. Now, when he died by hanging, yeah. And this is quite chilling, listeners, and I don't quite know how this came about. But he's buried Mm -hmm. in the Fremantle Cemetery above the remains of the child killer, Martha Rendell, who was hanged in Fremantle Prison in 1909. And she was the last woman to be hanged in Western Australia. He is buried buried above a child killer that's the same grave Hmm. isn't that incredibly bizarre and to think paul as we sit here the two of us talking Mm -hmm. on the balance of probabilities his children and grandchildren are alive and probably some of them are living in Western Australia. That would be bizarre to be the sort of offspring of somebody like that. That would be very... Yeah, that'd be very difficult. Very, very difficult. I mean, I'm obviously fortunate enough to have a father who uh, is a police officer, ex-police officer, who has done great things and who I, you know, believe in. It'd be very hard to be the offspring of somebody who had committed so many crimes. And what's bizarre is there's so many... Because he did so many things, there would be an unfathomable number of people in that area uh, who have been affected by that, whose parents were affected by that, who, you know, the ripple effect would be huge. And also uh, important to to acknowledge, listeners, that Mm. uh, the MO 
of yep. um, running people over. Mm. It's not a new thing. No. I saw on YouTube or one of those social media platforms just a few days ago, the most terrible footage happened in Sydney where a person in a motor vehicle, I don't know whether they've caught them yet, you can see the footage of it. He swerves to hit a cyclist. And you see it. Yeah. Because people can use cars as weapons. Um, I have a feeling that during that period, and probably going back further into the 1950s, there would have been other incidents that were, not, were sort of put down to being an, a genuine mm. um, uh, motor vehicle accident. Uh, and things were very different back then from a police perspective. And there would have been numerous people that would have come home and thought, hang on a sec, you know, something's not quite right. Has someone been in our house? Mm, should I call the police? Oh, look, I, I don't want to bother the police. So there'd be all, there'd be a swathe of sort of crimes that were never reported. So, you know, the 250 break and enters, that's, yeah, yeah that's, but so much more um, that we just don't know about. There are people who I, look, if someone broke into my house, I don't think I'd be able to live there anymore. <laughs> I think I'd really struggle with knowing that somebody had been in the house. And I think that'd be a real, real yeah, problem. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. If uh, Paul, if you and T can come home one day and there's someone in the house, my yeah. strong advice to you yeah. is just to get back out. Leave. What do you mean? Oh, leave the house? Yeah, and call the police. Oh, okay. I thought you don't, don't, don't get involved. Don't, don't confront. Oh wait, no, no, Dad. There's no way I'm gonna. No, I'm not gonna. Don't be. You don't want to be a dead hero. No, I don't mean that. I mean, if I found out that somebody had been in my house, I would be so creeped out that I don't Mm. know if I'd be able to go back. Nah, you, 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 you'd get over it. Just get um, just get the place redecorated. All right. Every time. Uh, well, look, that is a long and tragic and strange story of a very damaged person doing terrible things. And, I mean, what a sad story. I really, mm. I wasn't expecting this one. It's so bizarre. Look, if you were affected by this, feel free to let us know. Because the odds are there's listeners who's, who've got relatives who were affected by this, by this mm. story. But in the meantime, please have a wonderful week, regardless of the uh, trauma of this episode. We'll be back at the end of the week for an episode of Loose Ends to help you take your mind off things. Mm. And Paul, can I just say, uh, to oh. finish, just before you go, I'd just like to say, because we've had people reach out to us whose children uh, you know, are, have been bullied, mm-hmm. and bullying is not, it's not acceptable. And I, it's, not, it's not a throwaway line I'm using. Uh, Paul, you, you were bullied, Paul, mm-hmm. at St. Paul's. And you never told us about it. Yes, I did. after. Not during. Yeah, I told you during. No, but you didn't tell us the, the reason. Like, you know, this, this, some things happened that were... Look, yes, look, mum and I did... We went to the school when you were bullied by some scumbag. But it's a big thing for it to be bullied. And But I know that you didn't tell us the whole story behind one of the incidents. And later on, we found out. Right. Like, you know, it's just... It's... it's Bully, if you're bullied, mm. it's it's so frightening because you have to go to school. You have to keep going to school. And if you tell your mum and dad and the mum and dad come in and make a big scene like Christine and I did, threaten to call the police, it was a shit fight. But, you know, and then they tried to apportion blame, which was totally just terrible. But 
it's a huge problem. And then do you do you pull your kid out of school? Do you move them to another school? And then it happens again, and all of a sudden you, you're thinking, what 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 can we do? Do we homeschool? I ca- we can't homeschool because we work, and it's just and the pe- that the people that bully, I'm quite sure that in later life, I'm I'm quite sure some of them have deep regrets. Imagine yeah. if you're a bully, you then have kids, have own. kids, and then they get bullied, and hopefully and like, oh. you can then go, oh shit. Mm-hmm. This is fucked. Yep. So, look, listeners, bullying is not acceptable. And Paul and I, we make no excuses for this 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 guy. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of defence, you need to look at the the whole the whole picture. Yes, no, it is a there is a three dimensional story here and we're not forgiving or excusing by talking about his upbringing we're not trying to excuse what he did we're trying to put it in context and explain why Mm. and it all definitely contributes well that's the sad strange story of a terrifying man doing horrible things but it's just another week for loose units the shadow files because that's the kind of stuff we talk about here on the show we've really enjoyed spending this time with you if you haven't already head across to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review head across to our discussion page on facebook And stick around, everyone, because we've got a new episode coming out later this week. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, and we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye-bye. Cheerio.